Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. And away we go on a Thursday morning, the day after Blood and Guts. There was just, man, holy shit. Just a lot. Just a lot to dive into with that match. My expert analysis on Twitter was Claudio's theme is a banger, and that match was insane. I think that's about as well as I can dumb uh, everything down for what we saw inside the double cage, outside the double cage, on top of the double cage. Sammy Guevara getting thrown off the double cage because he's a crazy MFer. SB3, that match was about 50 minutes long. Just so much to kind of digest here in the moment as we record this. What, a couple like 10 minutes now after that match came to an end last night. Beautiful, bloody violence. That's what it was. There was forks, steel chairs, broken glass, thumbtacks, everything you would want in a blood and guts type of matchup we got in this match and i thought the finish was excellent and this was one of the greatest spectacles that aew has given us this was this showed the difference between having fans in front of a match like this and not having fans because that crowd in detroit was rocking the entire night from the moment orange cassidy's old school independent theme for all you people saying oh orange cassidy's music no it's his old music from when he was the indie star that i i grow to love he came out to jane came out to jane from jefferson starship from the moment that song hit to the end of the night, Detroit was one of the best crowds that AEW has been in front of. Yeah, and they got a great show. Uh, they definitely made sure to put on, as you said, a, a spectacle for Detroit for their first time. It's hard to believe, right, that that's the first time AEW has been in Detroit. You figured they would have had it by now. But again, the pandemic just wipes out a, a, a lot of plans. Um yeah, man, I agree with you on the finish, and we'll we'll dive into that further. I I think it was. I, I think the thing I love the most about this match was that, yes, it was Blackpool Combat Club versus the Jericho Appreciation Society, but really, it it was really only about two guys in this match, and they they really kind of simplified everything and drove the entire story. If you had told me. If I didn't know any better and you said, oh, hey, the AEW world champion is in that match, I wouldn't have believed you. Like, unless I didn't know, like, I would have thought it was Eddie Kingston or Chris Jericho. Like, that's how great that the story was that they focused on it last night between Kingston and Jericho is I barely noticed Moxley was in the match except when he's pulling out skewers and broken glass and blading dudes and just sitting there laughing. And it was all about Eddie Kingston. It was all about Chris Jericho. Right up until the end and of course we will get into that coming up here in just a few moments do appreciate everybody who is uh, tuning in this morning making us a part of your day do us a quick favor hit that thumbs up button if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet hit that subscribe button you have no idea how much 
Both of those little things really, really help us out. Uh, we got a lot going on the uh, channel this week. Typically, this is our last show. But again, we have another premium live event coming up this weekend uh, in Money in the Bank field. Almost set there. We're still waiting to find out who's going to be the last participant uh, in the men's match. But regardless, this Friday, 7 a.m., it's going to drop. It's me. It's SP3. Can we coexist with Maggie from Fightful Overbooked? I am really looking forward to this one. Uh, your colleague over at Fightful Overbooked, uh, their SP3. I've not gotten the honor to do a show with Maggie yet. I was really happy that she could uh, fill in on short notice after our last guest. Uh, who I forget who it was already at this point. Our, our last guest had to drop out. We had to reschedule. I'm really happy Maggie was uh, set to do this. So uh, I can't wait for you guys to check that out on Friday. And by the way, time is ticking down. Only got a few days left for you guys to register and win. Two tickets to SummerSlam. You get to Nashville. We'll get you inside Nissan Stadium. Subscribe to Believe in Pro Wrestling. Retweet my pin tweet. Looks a lot like this. And boom, you are registered to go. Before we dive into everything, last night from AEW Dynamite, Blood and Guts, got to thank our partners over at Bet Online, the continued number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Get all the latest odds, news, sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball the latest fighting news, even next season's early NFL futures, although it's not too early. Training camp's less than a month away at this point, thank God. Uh, head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. I said 5-0. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get that bonus and get into the action. That is B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. And SP3, we will... Uh, Start with blood and guts last night. That was the central focus of the show. Blackpool Combat Club gets the win. Like I said, this was all about Jericho and Kingston right up until the finish when Claudio Castagnoli climbs the cage, gets up there with Eddie Kingston. They got the double submission locked in, and it looked like Jericho was about to tap. And then Claudio gets his man to submit first and just steals the thunder away from Eddie Kingston. And it's like, I'm trying to think of an analogy here that, that, that just works for that, but it just totally ruined Kingston's moment. He has wanted for so damn long to just put Jericho in his place and prove that he was the better man and prove Blackpool Combat Club and himself and Santana and Ortiz were, were just the better collection of dudes and they wanted to make Jericho suffer. Again, tried to set this man on fire in this match until Ty Conti spilled all the uh, rubbing alcohol. But we we, we won't need to get uh, to dive into the little, those little details. But still, Claudio steals the, the moment from him and you could just see the look on his face and you can kind of tell the direction where they're going with this. It was such a, a, a great finish to a match that had so much going on, just so much chaos, so many great moments, whether it was Sammy flying off of the cage, whether it's Parker hanging outside of the cage, looking like freaking, uh, you know, Jim Hopper from, uh, from predator. <laughs> like he had just been strung up on a tree and skinned alive. Uh, again, Mox pulling out the tacks, getting thrown through the tacks, pulling out skewers and forks. This was this was absolute madness. And was it 
did everything go according to plan? No, not even close. But it's really hard to do that in a match like this. They they gave you the chaos, the mayhem that War Games used to be. War Games was not about the yearly way they were going to do one big spot, whether it's Ricochet flipping off the cage or Ciampa delivering the air raid crash through the table. It was creating that brutal violence and putting over the rivalry that is set into blood and guts. And this, this year just felt more meaningful because they were able to build this out. You know, it started with the Jericho and Kingston issue and then developed into something bigger with the Jericho appreciation society versus Kingston, Santana and Ortiz, the betrayal of Santana Ortiz by Jericho. Then you get Blackpool combat club getting involved after Jericho throws the fireball into Kingston's face then you get the anarchy in the arena and the mayhem and chaos that that was that at double or nothing and it bled in nicely pun intended into what we saw tonight just blood everyone busted open uh garcia getting busted open with a fork stabbing by by moxley you get angelo parker getting power driven into broken glass and then hung up like a stuffed pig bleeding out (laughs) outside of the you get Sammy Guevara doing his best Mick Foley and Hell in a Cell impersonation with one of the craziest bumps I've seen just falling off like he was he was looked already a little more pretty looked a little more pretty yeah, flying yeah, off yeah. Than, than yeah, yeah. it was it was it was a Jeff Hardy swanton basically through a, a table at ringside I mean yeah it was just great stuff great moments throughout I you know I wish that everyone that went into that cage was able to kind of go all the way through but they even with you know people going down people getting injured during the matchup they were able to satisfy those fans in detroit satisfy the fans at home and like i said this was a memorable spectacle that no one is going to forget at the end of the year this is one of the best tv main events in all of wrestling yeah and uh you you alluded to it santana uh injured early on once he entered that match you could tell something went awry as he tried to deliver uh, a Uranagi. I forget who uh, he was trying to deliver the move to, but it, I don't know if he lost his balance because the camera was like right up on Santana's like right shoulder. So you couldn't really see what was going on, but he definitely did not have the balance. And then when the move had concluded, he was clearly in some pain. He went over to uh, the the front side of the cage and was talking with the doctors. And then I think he threw maybe one punch uh, in the match, and and that was it. And uh, Sean Rossap from Fightful.com reporting that uh, he was uh, helped to the back after the match. He was the only person who did not get up on top of the cage to celebrate. So obviously, you know, you got to hope Santana is is okay here. But I mean, man, when you're in a match like that, getting injured is is one thing, but getting injured in 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 that way. It's just, man, it's, it's, it's gotta be a little bit, you know, disheartening. That's just, that's just, that's just salt in the open wound in that, in that situation. Yeah. I I gotta give credit to the other 11 guys in this matchup because you would, 
come to expect that Santana was a part of, you know, a bunch of spots and moments that they wanted to create yeah. throughout the match. And these guys just kept going there. You know, there was brief moments where you would see like Ortiz or Kingston outside of the cage, check on him and, you know, ask him if he's all right. And, you know, the camera did a good job of kind of just staying away from him unless they were in the second cage and you could see him over on the side. But I got to give it up to the 11 guys involved. They were able to keep the action going and never let up. It was all intensity, physical, you know, brutal, the hardcore type of blood and guts that this match is now kind of have his calling card on, you know, after last year with the inner circle and the pinnacle, which was great within itself. And, you know, but that all that had, you know, the, the, the ending that a lot of people talked about more than the actual match that did deliver this, despite the injury delivered even more in my opinion. And that, like I said, the Detroit crowd, sometimes the crowd can elevate a match and make you forget about those certain stuff. And, you know, I, my mind was always on Santana. I hope he has a speedy recovery and it's not anything too, too serious that keeps him out for a long time, because I would hope that something like this win for Santana and Ortiz leads to them getting back into the tag team division and being a main tag team, like they deserve to be, but Hopefully it's not an injury that keeps them out for a long time. But like I said, once again, 100% my hat is off to all the 11 guys in that matchup that just kept it going. And even someone like Ortiz who could have got lost in the shuffle. I thought he, you know, stood out in the couple of moments that he had in this match, whether it was coming into the cage, whether it was just his unique look with that face pain and everything. So yeah, total head pain. Like totally yes. like everything. He had the maroon going yeah. everywhere, just leaning into the to the fresh baldness. Uh did did Ortiz last night. And speaking of just kind of leaning in, my goodness, I have to agree with JR. How they ever got Jake Hager to walk out there looking like he was part of a magic mic trilogy. Those outfits were something, boy. Heading into a match like Blood and Guts, dressed like an in sync cover band. That is a ballsy, ballsy choice, but somehow it just worked. Like those outfits just worked on every level. The only thing that that sucked about them is that, you know, in a match like this, you want to showcase the blood, right? Like that you're wearing bright red outfits that are going to help kind of cover, uh, cover up the amount of blood that was in that match. Although all of them were bleeding from the head anyway. So they, they were just covered from red from head to toe. Uh, but the outfits were spectacular last night. I love Mox just coming down there in his vest and his jeans saying, F it, fight me, let's go. And just throwing anything and everything that he had out there. But man, could you, could you ask for a better first three days on the job? If you're, if you're Claudio, I mean, seriously, that is like, we, we, we try not to do the whole compare WWE to AEW thing on this program too often, right? I feel like so many people kind of crutch on that, but when you have a guy who is fresh off of 12 years of being underutilized in WWE, and then he immediately comes over here, wins a big match on a historic pay-per-view and then comes in on this night and immediately goes over in this kind of a match, a finish that people are going to remember for good reasons this time, as far as blood and guts is concerned. Seriously, he said it in his post 
Forbidden Door Media Scrum. It's a perfect fit. He fits in Blackpool Combat Club. He fits in, in, in AEW. This is going to be a fantastic place for him. You weren't on the show earlier this week uh, when we were talking about his debut. I did want to get your thoughts on that real quick before we move on to the five count here. What do you think his ceiling is going to be in AEW? I mean, it's not hard to beat the bar that he was at, pun intended, in WWE. But how far do you think he can go? What do you think they they have long term plans for 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 Claudio? Well, I think that it's just keeping him at a position where he can be a valuable player for them, and that's something that WWE never consistently did uh, for him is keep him at a certain level. And I think the level that they, you know, position him in as the mystery opponent for Zack Saber Jr. having like a technical wrestling clinic where he got to show off a lot of his power and and you know go back to you know his old name, his real name. Name, Claudio Castanoli, the theme music that is just like his independent song, uh, being with the Blackpool Combat Club with guys that he is very much good friends with, like William Regal, you know, John Boxley, Brian Danielson. This just fits so well. And I think that they tease tonight what the future is in tolls and as someone that he spent a lot of his time just before going to wwe against and that's eddie kingston and just being able to interact with him almost immediately has me in good faith and you know someone like eddie kingston eddie kingston a lot of people know don't see him ever becoming AEW world champion even though his popularity kind of says that he probably should because he's probably the biggest baby face that AEW has but he has been since day one of coming into AEW he's always been at a certain position and always been able to gain more and more popularity and been and been, you know, used as a very valuable player for AEW, despite not being a world champion. So if you're expecting Claudio Casanoli to come into AEW and finally win a world title here, I don't necessarily see that happening. But as long as he's a guy that they can use at a top position, be in main events of Dynamite, be in the main event of Rampage, actually get up to the spot where he can be in the main event of a pay-per-view. I think that is what he wants out of his career. And that's what AEW's out of him I think he's just a uh, to steal a line that uh, the JR told me one time when I got to talk to him on ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati he's a ball player he just wants to be you know out there and playing meaningful games what every athlete wants he wants to be out there he wants to be wrestling the the best in the world keyword wrestling right not not WWE matches he wants to go out there and put on those kind of matches like he had against Zack Sabre Jr. or go out there and just do the absolute fuckery that we saw last night that they're not going to get to do uh, in WWE, which again, why this is such a, a perfect fit. And I think he fills a real big need right now where this is a guy who could come in immediately and kind of help even with a stacked roster that they have right now. The injury bug in AEW is real, and we saw it hit strike again uh, with Santana. Luckily, you know, Dax Harwood was able to wrestle uh, last night after suffering a partially separated shoulder at forbidden door that guy's absolutely insane crowd went nuts for them when he was the uh, teaming with dan and we'll talk about that match coming up here in a little bit uh, as well but yeah i think he hit the nail on the head man like i think if you're expecting him to come in here and you want him to 
to win the AEW World Championship one day, well, you're going to have to wait a while because he's probably about 19th in line line as far as guys that are uh, ahead of him at this point. But he's filling a depth need. And as long as he is doing something that he finds fulfilling, again, it's not a high bar. That they're gonna that he's gonna have to beat for WWE, and I think as long as he's happy, that's all that he wants. And if that's the case, good on you. I will say there is one match I want to see at some point. I don't, I'm not even saying Claudio has to win it, but give me Claudio Castagnoli and Miro and Miro fighting for the AEW World Championship one day. Just one day. That's all I ask. I don't. Miro can win the damn thing. I don't care. Just give me that match. That's what I want. That's all I want out of Claudio's run, and I'll be. A very, very happy man. Let's dive into everything else on the show last night, shall we? It's time to answer the five counts on the Believe Podcast Network. This one's kind of a duh. I think they, they they totally set this one up last night before we move on to the other matches here. True or false, Eddie Kingston has to be Claudio's first official feud in AEW. I mean, it just makes too much damn sense to literally pick up where they left off before Claudio joined WWE, they were feuding on the independent scene, and before their big blow-off, or uh, you know the story better than I do, something happened in their independent feud, and then, then Claudio left to go to WWE, and Kingston has held a grudge ever since. It makes all the sense in the world to just pick up right where they left off now, 12, 13 years later. Well, they were feuding in Shakara, and uh, Claudio was a babyface, and Kingston was a heel, and they had this trilogy of matches. They were 1-1 going into the third match, and at that point going into the third match, Kingston was more or less like a tweener. He had gotten the fans on his side. Claudio won that third match, and then later on in the show, this new group came into prominence, and Claudio turned heel, and Kingston officially turned babyface and a double turn and then Kingston you know was never always denied the opportunity to get the world title and get his next match up against Claudio until they build up a big match in New York in Eddie Kingston's hometown against Claudio one-on-one and then Claudio won that one with everybody feeling like they were going to have one more match where Kingston could finally get the win but before that could happen just like a week after that matchup where Claudio one Claudio signed with WWE. So yes, I true. It is one hundred percent true. Eddie Kingston versus Claudio Casanoli needs to needs to be the matchup at All Out. All Out is shaping up already. We're like two months before yeah. All Out. It's already shaping up to be one of the biggest shows in AEW history, especially if they're able to get guys like CM Punk back, Brian Danielson back, you know, Adam Cole. If they're able to get those guys back and we can get CM Punk versus John Moxley to determine the undisputed AEW world champion, if FTR and the Young Bucks can stay healthy, we can get FTR versus Young Bucks three for all the gold and Just knock Eddie on Kingston. wood for all the all the injuries. Like not no, exactly. no new ones, everybody get healthy. Again, the injury bug very real right now. Exactly. But if we can also get Eddie Kingston versus Claudio Castanoli. 
chef's kiss that's what i want the most because the ending of blood and guts like i said blood and guts itself was a fantastic main event but that finish was excellent because kingston had jericho dead to right in the stretch plum the same way that he made jericho sum- submit back at revolution and before jericho didn't tap out claudio locked on the sharpshooter on matt menard and made him tap out denying eddie that final satisfaction of tapping out and making Jericho submit in Blood and Guts to get the win. And you can see the look on Eddie's face and Eddie arguing with Claudio like, man, I had him, I had him. And then begrudgingly, you know, you know, raising his hand and giving him the fist pump at the end, you know, hopefully Eddie is all right because he looked like his back was giving him issues at the end of the matchup too. But I'm hoping this is the match we get in Chicago in front of that raucous crowd in Chicago at All Out. That's what I want to see. Yeah, there was a moment on uh, camera, by the way. I I don't know if anybody else caught it, but, you know, Claudio was reaching down to help Eddie up and you could hear Eddie say he's like, no, I got to sit here for a minute, but I'll be all right. So, you know, hopefully he he does end up being okay. Obviously, anybody's going to be banged up and scarred up and bruised up. And, you know, again, knock on wood for all, all the health. Uh, of everybody in the AEW locker room. Uh, this just makes all the sense in the world. I definitely do believe that's what the the finish was about, and uh, it's going to continue uh, moving on uh, from there. We're putting a bow on blood and guts. We've now had two of these. The finish, I think we will agree, was obviously better as far as this year's uh, blood and guts. So this is a two-parter here. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the gore of blood and guts? And did the entire match surpass the first? So gore factor, I would say it's a 10 out of 10. And I would say that this is a convincing 10 to 8 round when it comes to last year's blood and guts versus this year. I felt like it was the build up to it was better. Just how, like I said, you had all these significant moments that led into it and made blood and guts seem like the ultimate feud ender between these two sides, between the Jericho Appreciation Society and the Puerto Rican Combat Club, as I like to call them with Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz joining up with the Blackpool Combat Club and yeah, it just made it more meaningful. The action was just as good as last year. I wouldn't say that the action surpassed, you know, last year because I felt like Sammy Guevara was made a star in last year's Blood and Guts. FTR added a lot to that matchup. Wardlow looked like a beast. You had the Wardlow Jake Hager interactions like yep. that. That was great within itself last year. But the cherry on top, which significantly makes this a 10-8 round is the crowd. Last year was in front of no fans, in front of basically the wrestlers in the crowd in Jacksonville. This year, this Detroit crowd was one of the best crowds AEW has been in front of. So yes, it surpassed last year's match. Yeah, I'll I'll agree. And I, I agree with everything you said, but I think also it comes down to the finish, man. And the, the atmosphere is everything. All right. And it's it it's hard to compare even if you look at WWE like Thunderdome matches compared to the the crowds that it is now it's there's just no comparison whatsoever uh when it comes to the atmosphere so obviously that's there but the the thing that people remember most is the ending and everybody remembers Chris Jericho falling off the cage and landing through what was obviously a crash pad and that just absolutely killed it same same thing uh with the the barbed wire you know death match all we remember is the sparkles at the end and don't remember how great of a match that that actually was 
if the finish falls flat, it kills the match altogether, which is why I it, it sucks that, you know, Adam Cole got hurt at the end of the IWGP Fatal 4-Way because that match was an absolute banger, and then the ending just fell off the rails because Cole got knocked for a loop. People remember the finish. This finish was perfect. Chef's kiss, just like you said. Last year's was, oh, that wasn't good. And that's what people are going to remember the most. So, yes, this year's past that one. Obviously, adding in John Moxley also helps as well because this, this dude's just in his environment. It sucks that Brian Danielson wasn't able to be a part of this because I feel like he would have added even more to this match. And this is the kind of environment that he loves because he's told Vince McMahon before. Look, sometimes I just want to bleed. Well, he would have bled uh, in this match, just like every other person did. It's a shame he didn't get to take part in it, but uh, still it doesn't change the fact that this was absolutely a uh, 10 out of 10 on the gore factor as well. Uh, absolutely delivered what you would expect out of a blood and guts match. But if Brian Danielson was in this match, we wouldn't have got the finish. So I'm okay with him not being in the match. That's a good point. Fair point. Fair point. Let's focus in on Mr. John Moxley, the new interim AEW world champion. His first title defense is not going to be against CM Punk. We don't know when he's coming back, but we do know he's going to be defending it soon, and it's going to be against one of these fine folks as I throw up a semi-fuzzy graphic that I pulled real quick. Royal Rampage. Uh, SP3, I believe you had the, the breakdown on exactly how this is going to work. It's a two-ring Royal Rumble Battle Royal type situation. How's this working down? Your mic is muted. Your mic is muted. Your mic is... I had to look very closely at who was in the matchup because I was like, I didn't I didn't get the graphic that quick. But yes, it's basically uh to bring it's a mixture of the Royal Rumble and WCW World War Three where WCW World War Three was 60 men with three rings. And, you know, the Royal Rumble starts with two men. And then every interval, a no competitor comes out. This one is going to be kind of a mixture of the two. It's going to be two rings, 20 competitors. They're going to start off with two. And then every minute, a new competitor is going to enter the ring. So um, looking at the field... I mean, yeah. Hangman Adam Page is there, so you know he's definitely a contender to win. You guys, I think that Swerve and Keith Lee are gonna kind of cancel each other out. Dante Martin has an interesting story going on with John Moxie as of late, but my pick, I think I'm gonna go with. I don't see Andrade here, and I was gonna go with Andrade, but I do see Roosh. And you know what? I think I'm going to go with Roosh. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a tough pick. I mean, you got Frankie Kazarian in there. You got John Silver as well. I think Orange Cassidy would be a good shout. I mean, this is a guy who has had a, a really, really strong week uh, in, uh, in AEW, obviously. Again, I've said it a million times on the show this week. Uh, I, I wish people would stop sleeping on Orange Cassidy. I think he and John Moxley could have a, a fun little match. Whoever it is is going to end up losing. Right. So I'd like to see somebody kind of get a chance to shine at a point that they haven't really had that opportunity to yet, which is why I'm hoping um, to answer the question here. Who would I like to see Royal Rampage this Friday night? 
I'd like to go with Ricky Starks. I think Ricky Starks, as we just keep getting the, <laughs> the blow off of SP3's forehead here for those uh, who aren't watching on the YouTube channel. That's what I'm laughing at. We keep throwing up this graphic, and SP3 is trying to get in close to see who's in it because they're so spread out. And then I pull it away, and we just get his forehead across the screen. Uh, and <laughs> anywho. I'd like to see Ricky Starks get the opportunity to wrestle John Moxley. I feel like this is a, a top level star that's just waiting for a, a chance to to bud and to bloom and to get these kind of opportunities. He's gonna lose, yes, but I mean he can look great in defeat. And I'd like to see him actually get uh that opportunity. Um, do you think another side question here? Do you think this kind of a match might be able to kind of boost the rampage? ratings here uh a little bit because they have been steadily coming back down to earth and below earth the last couple of weeks um this is the type of match that should keep people in especially because they already promoted that it's going to kick off the show i think this is the type of match that could draw people in and i i think i'm going to change my pick i think i'm going to go with powerhouse hobbs I think Powerhouse Hobbs has an interesting story with uh, John Moxley because he did kind of debut on Dynamite helping Moxley in 2020 before, you know, turning and joining up with Team Taz. So I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go with Powerhouse Hobbs in this one. But yeah, there's a couple of really good choices. And I think they yeah, have this type of matchup with how it can be booked, you know, with new intervals coming every minute. I think it's interesting enough that it should help some viewers on friday on rampage and hopefully you know get the show back above four hundred thousand viewers and then going close to 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 the five hundred thousand that you know everybody said that that's what tnt is looking for from rampage again i would hope so because i don't want this show to go away because it does help out this robust aew roster Yeah, I mean, I would hope it wouldn't go away. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm pulling the graphic away, so I'm pulling the graphic away. All right, just giving you a heads up there. Anyways, <laughs> I already looked a few times. Don't worry. Uh, but anywho, so um, I would think they would look at moving it to a different time slot before they would look at getting rid of it altogether. But I don't know what that time slot would be. I would vote seven o'clock. That's just me. If they wanted to get nuts, they could put it up head to head with Fox, but I don't know how well that would work out. Cause again, you just have the the bigger audience there obviously on Fox. Um, but yeah, man, I will put up uh, one guarantee, by the way, I am guaranteeing that Keith Lee is going to chuck Swerve Strickland from this match. That is my one guarantee on Friday night. That is happening. Keith Lee will get his revenge and Chuck Swerve uh, to eliminate him uh, from this battle Royal. SP3, I didn't, I didn't realize how awesome it was going to be to witness this, and I don't know if I'm quite ready for it personally. But I'll ask you: Are are do you think you're ready for this badass Luchasaurus heel run? My dude came out with a, a fire theme and a slate black mask and slate black pants and just beat the holy hell out of Serpico or whatever the hell his name is. I don't know what Christian whispered to him last week. Christian has had back-to-back weeks where he has just gone straight savage. Like here's the line. And Christian has gone 80 yards past the line talking about 
I wish your whole family was dead except for your mom because I want to bang your mom. Basically, that's what Christian said tonight. Like, holy shit. They just are not shy about going there. But I love the idea of them taking Luchasaurus, who is a great performer, and turning him from the basically the comedy act of Jurassic Express, which was just, I'm going to repeat a word and then go, ah. Like, that's all his character really was. I don't know how much character development he's going to have here, but I love mean, badass Luchasaurus, and I am excited for what the future holds for him. I've been telling people that I think that this is going to lead to a longer feud with Christian and Jungle Boy because now he has this monster that he can put in front of Jungle Boy to avoid Jungle Boy. And I think that, you know, him brainwashing Luchasaurus to be this hybrid of Kane and his problem solver, Tyson Tomko, is just brilliant. It's just brilliant stuff. Christian is the is quickly in like two weeks becoming one of the best heels in professional wrestling once again and yeah there's no line he will not step over and he is just ruthless when it comes to jungle boy and uh when it comes to rallying up the fans like when you have jim Cornette calling your promo last week the greatest heel promo he's ever heard or seen that says it all and jim Cornette does not like himself from aew and that's putting it lightly so for him to compliment something on that level says a lot and christian cage just gets it christian is one of the all-time greats and it's so it's so thrilling and fulfilling to see him back in the role that he's always been meant for yeah this is this is great. I, I have been waiting for, you know, them to do something of substance with Christian. And I don't know if it's the injuries that have been uh, adding up. I don't know if this was uh, the, just the time that they always designated as when they were finally going to pull the trigger here. But I'm happy they gave Jurassic Express the run with the tag team titles. And now let's go. Let's get into this. Let's let Christian shine and do what he does well and then build up Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus in the process as as singles competitors. I'm excited to see where this is going to go. Uh, I have said on this show before that the Acclaimed and the Ass Boys was a combo that I never knew that I needed. Well, apparently I didn't need it for very long because it does feel like there is some kind of a split uh, that is going here as uh, the sons and the stepsons are fighting over daddy ass. We had uh, the Ass Boys try to get revenge for Danhausen's Ass Boy song uh, that he played at Forbidden Door, which all of that was weird because you had you've had Bowens for weeks screaming say Ass Boys over and over again, and it didn't bother them there, but it's they it still bothered them with Danhausen. I don't know. It was confusing as to why it. Anyway, it it it's a whole thing. Maybe you can explain it to me here, but regardless, it set up this match tonight a six-man tag. You had Max Caster. You had the Ass Boys going up against Danhausen and his surprise partners, which were FTR. A fun match. Danhausen actually gets the win thanks to Bowens, who can walk. It looks like he's getting healthy. Thank God. Somebody's getting healthy. Had the knee brace, was able to get up, ended up hitting the wrong dude with the crutch. Danhausen gets the win off of the crutch shot. And then Daddy Ass... As the fight starts to break out, chooses the acclaimed over his own son's SP3. If you were Billy Gunn, would you have done the same thing? 
I mean, I don't blame Daddy Ass at all. Daddy Ass knows where his money is made. That's why he wanted to stay with DX back in 1999. He didn't want DX to break up because he was making money with uh, Road Dog, X-Pac, and Triple H in China. And he was making those nice little merch sales with those DX shirts. He knows where the money is made. And it's made by a good talker and a good worker. And the black... 2.0 2.0 version of the New Age Outlaws, the acclaimed, is where the money is being made. It is not into his Shawn Michaels cosplaying sons. So he chose right. He chose his new sons, his stepsons, over his own blood. Billy Gunn is a smart man. He makes money and he knows the acclaimed is money. So he made the right choice and I don't blame him at all. Yeah. And uh, again, it uh... It was fun to see and great to see, uh, you know, Bowens back up on his feet, which means hopefully he'll be cleared for competition soon, which means we can actually get the acclaim tagging again because they have done such a great job of getting these guys mega over, even though one half of the team has been hurt for the last, you know, several weeks or several months at this point. Time is just a mess for me right now. I can't remember when anything happens, but it seems like it's been forever uh, since Bowens has wrestled. So it's it was great to see him up. It's great to see them over and now they can capitalize on this again. And, you know, who knows how high the ceiling is for the acclaim? Because once you're over with the audience, man, all you got to do is have the booking that follows. Question is, how quickly do you put everything behind the acclaim? Because you still have FTR who's on a heater right now. You have the Young Bucks, still a very, very stacked tag team division, even with the Hardy Boys on the shelf right now. And you just split up Jurassic Express. But that division is still 10, 12 teams deep. So it's hard to stand out, but the acclaimed is still standing out. So, yes, Billy Gunn choosing business over family. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I choose the acclaimed. And to explain, basically, whenever Max Caster or Anthony Bowen says ass boys, you you should you should always peep that Austin and Colton always get upset over it or they always get mad over it. But the reason why they got extra mad at Danhausen is Danhausen is the one that created the term ass yes, boys. He He's yeah. the one that created the term ass boys and he created a whole damn song over it. So that's why they got upset the way they did at Forbidden Door. They always get upset whenever anybody, including the fans, are chanting ass boys, but they are especially upset at Danhausen because it's all started with him. Okay. I've never really like kind of noticed them like getting upset whenever Bowens or Caster would say it. I got mostly because like, not a surprise to anybody. The acclaim draws my attention more than the, the gun, <laughs> the gun club does. So I've never really kind of like paid attention uh, to that entrance. So I'll have to go back and watch things. Like the only thing that I could think of is like, you know, you have a shitty sports team that you're a fan of and you'll shit on them all day. But like the second, like a Cardinals fan starts talking crap about the Reds, you're ready to throw down. Like you can't say that about my team. Only I can shit on my team. That's the only thing that I could kind of come up with here. But regardless, yeah, Billy Gunn's making the right choice here. But go with the acclaimed. That's where the money is, son. Appreciate you guys tuning in to this uh, AEW recap edition of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Don't forget, tomorrow, 7 a.m., we're going to be running down that big money in the bank card. Can we coexist with Maggie? And can Maggie stop SP3's winning streak in the trivia challenge? 
going to be interesting. Money in the bank. Lot, lots more to dive into with money in the bank than there was with Forbidden Door. That was hard coming up with questions, but I'm that sure was, that was good for me. That was good for me. <laughs> Even though you always give me the harder question than you do our guest, so I'm sure I'm going to. You, get sir, are a Dutch man, tell approved wrestling historian. I have to give you the tough question. I have to. You can give them like a question that's farther than the question that you give me. Like you give me these questions where I have to dig in my memories museum, and it's not fair. It's not fair at all. Mag- Mag- Maggie's kind of sweating the trivia challenge. I may just have to ask her questions like, "Who is in the women's money in the bank ladder match this year?" Nah, chill. I'm not playing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be like, this is this is rigged, so I'm not even gonna play. By the way, speaking of Dutch Mantel, it was nice that the crowd recognized uh, Claudio and and Jake Hager and started a uh, We the People chant there for a little bit last night. That was a nice little uh, little recognition for our boy Dutch. We'll have to talk to him about that on uh, Redacted uh, this week. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Oh, by the way, I don't know what time yet, but keep your eye on the YouTube channel. My conversation with Lacey Evans will be dropping sometime on Friday ahead of money in the bank. Lots to talk about with her. So tune in thumbs up, subscribe. You know, the deal. future miss money in the bank, Lacey Evans. Hmm. I don't know. Becky Lynch is in there now, but she is definitely one of the contenders and, uh, one of the favorites, uh, to win that match that is for sure thank you guys so much for tuning in we'll talk to you tomorrow you've been listening or watching the believe in pro wrestling podcast brought to you by bet online thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.